0: So Nix is a functional package manager. Nix is all about producing completely reproducible builds and packages, including support for multiple versions of packages to be installed side-by-side with no issues. It's sort of like a next-generation package management system that avoids a lot of the pitfalls that current
1: OS package managers have fumbled up to this point. I guarantee that every company, whatever company you're working in, as long as it's more than 50 people, let's say... Is running into divergence between dev and prod, or divergence between the uh, continuous integration build system and prod, or whatever. But every company is running into some problem, which I think Nix could solve. Hi, this is Will. I'm a
0: YC alum and an independent researcher who's work worked across e commerce, cryptocurrency, and
1: financial industries. And I'm Shri. I'm a YC alum and a research engineer focused on natural language processing for search. Welcome to The Technium, where we talk
0: about the edge of technology and what we can build with it. An optimistic look at the road ahead. We're two guys discussing edgy, fringe, and overlooked technologies over a couple of drinks. And so our show has four segments. First, we give a high-level outline of what the technology is. Then two, we talk about what we, it can do today. Then we let our imagination and optimism take over and see how the world would change if the technology of readily is readily adopted and everywhere. And lastly, if we believe in this future, how can we take a position on it? We can't be experts in everything that we cover. So if you got insights on the topic, just let us know in the comments. Uh, so be sure to check out our audio versions on Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, so you can go about your day as you listen. But
1: first, in the spirit of shooting the shit over some drinks. Sri, what are we drinking today? Today I've got June Shine, uh, hard kombucha, acai berry flavor.
0: Oh, ah, hard, <laughs> hard. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, my mine is not so hard. Mine is uh, suika. It's basically just watermelon sugar water. And if you look in the back, it's just a lot of sugar, 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 sugar. So hopefully, we'll get our (laughs) game on with our drinks uh, talking about our topic this week. Yeah, that's exciting. So what are we talking about this week? Uh, So this week, we are talking about Nix, the package management. Uh, So Nix is a functional package manager. So what does that mean? And so Nix is basically all about producing completely reproducible builds and packages including support for multiple versions of packages to be installed side by side with no issues it's sort of like a next generation package management system that avoids a lot of the pitfalls that current os package managers have fumble up to this point and that's pretty much the gist of it i i Take it like any other software developer that has built their own projects from scratch. You've had experience using package managers, <laughs> and and the the chuckling is from experience where I'm sure you've experienced uh, problems of one matter or another. And it doesn't even have to be your own software projects, right? Just using other people's software using package managers to try to install on your computer like sometimes it just does not work and you're like oh what the hell and then you go to stack overflow to try to google like what is wrong with this combination of this package with my OS and uh you know some combination and then there's some like incantation of config file or something that you got to do and then it works and you really have no idea why and and you're just like, okay, like if it weren't for Stack Overflow, I don't know how people did it before, when I guess in reality, how people <laughs> did it before was they read the source code, I guess, at, at least in Linux, or if you're on Windows, you just waited for tech support that, that you paid for. And so yeah. like this sort of thing is just prevalent throughout the software industry to the point where I think You can almost call it like water, uh, where it's just so pervasive that most people should have some understanding of what we're talking about when you've worked in the industry uh, for a little while. And um, the big problems with package managers are that the entire dependency chain is not specified like for any particular language say in Ruby you have Ruby gems that can specify other Ruby packages as dependencies but they may not always fully specify dependencies because for example some of the gems might uh, build C libraries and those C libraries are have build time dependencies such as like a specific compiler or something like that right and so if those things aren't uh specified then you may have a hard time building from source um that's one problem to Mm -hmm. and so that leads down the line into new developers whether on a team at a private company or on an open source project it's just really hard to get started right like you you block out like an entire day up to an entire week just to get your development environment set up for working on a project and so that's definitely friction and it's amazing that we have people collaborate at all it's like a high bar of motive to to be motivated um yeah and, and so that's like one thing and then and then another is that like Sometimes when you upgrade packages in your system, they might have dependencies that they upgraded. And then because it's shared among other packages, you find that upgrading one package breaks software on your computer that were completely unrelated. It just so happened that they shared their same dependency. And so, of course, in newer package management systems like in Node, like if it's If two libraries are using different versions of the same dependency, they'll just make separate copies, and you end up with this big gigantic uh, graph—actually, big gigantic tree—of dependencies that uh, JavaScript really gets made fun of uh, for pulling in (laughs) hundreds of megabytes of dependencies down. And so, it's kind of like that—that's kind of our our state of the art uh, at the moment. And in addition to that, when things break, um, and they will break often, right? How many times do you have things that say, oh, it's time to upgrade, and it's like a major version, and you're like dreading it, right? <laughs> because you don't know like what else is going to break that's not under your purview or control. And so once you do that, you know there's no turning back because then you just have to fix all the things that are wrong, and it's not possible to roll back to a previous configuration Uh, without uh, a lot of headaches and maybe you end up having to reinstall everything and sometimes if uh a particular server holding the libraries go down then you just have to twiddle your thumbs there and so these all should sound familiar to people and uh it's for a while i honestly didn't think about it that much and These seem to be a fact of life as a developer, but Nix comes along and says, life doesn't have to be this way. And I almost called Nix, like, this particular episode a retro episode because this has been around for, like, 10 years. Like, were you surprised by that?
1: Uh I'm surprised by the fact that it hasn't taken off uh, in in that amount of time. I definitely remember seeing it ten years ago because I was playing around with it in in college. Well, right, and so I guess you shouldn't be surprised given your
0: particular experience when we were talking about it in pregame, which we'll get to, right? And so I think, uh, but but I think when I. Like longtime listeners will know that I really hate DevOps. And so Nix really just like flew under my radar because I do not like to touch things that are under like DevOps if I can help it. Like I'll I'll do it if I have to, but it's definitely not something that I enjoy. But like when I read about Nix and just reading through the original thesis, I'm like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Why don't we do it this way? Um, But... Uh, and so I think the concepts there are sound, but I think the project does have some problems uh, that don't help its adoption, which w- we'll talk about soon. So so yeah, okay. I mean, Nix is basically a pure functional package manager. So it fixes a lot of these problems by treating packages as uh, contained units of deployment in which you need to explicitly state all its dependencies both its runtime dependencies and its build time dependencies. And then once it's fully specified, then you know that given the same inputs, it'll always build the same software in the same package. And and then it'll put that under a unique hash, a hash of all the inputs and all the dependencies. And so that's how you can solve the problem of having multiple uh, components multiple versions of the same component installed side by side without interfering with each other that's how you get components that can depend on uh, two libraries that can use different versions of the same library without interfering with each other so if one upgrades you you won't break the other one um it's also what makes it possible to have atomic uh, upgrade actions and being able to roll back to previous configurations and so a lot of the problems that i mentioned in the rant that we just had uh they go away and so i think that this is a sound concept i mean like we had back in episode 4 talked about functional programming and how a lot of the functional concepts are bleeding into a lot of mainstream um computing for developers and i think this is one area in which this is after 10 years starting to happen so i, yeah. I think people are are catching out more and more but uh yeah the, we can almost call this a retro episode honestly
1: <laughs> yeah i mean what's interesting is that the pain point is pretty well known uh at least it's well known to me for
0: Right. Like I've read some HN comments where people are like, it just seemed like it's overly complicated for no particular reason. But then then in the later in the same comment, they're like, that was when I had only started working in the industry. And after working a couple of years, everybody's got to get beat up for a couple of years. They're like, oh, (laughs) like these are all problems that it doesn't have to be this way.
1: Yeah, and for me personally, I program a lot in Python, and Python has probably uh-huh, the worst yeah. <laughs> package management story, like in in all of uh, in all of computing. Like, uh, yeah. you have uh, so many different competing package managers. You have things like Anaconda, a few different ways to have virtual environments. Um, basically, all these things are trying to solve what you mentioned, which is one being able to reproducibly install something, like install a oh, package. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Like I forgot about like the the worst worst like effect of of this this. Accidental complexity we have for ourselves. Like, how many of you heard of? Well, it worked on my computer. Like, you just yeah. want to strangle the person that does that, right? And so, yeah. when you have pure functional, uh, prog- uh, when you have pure functional package managers, mm-hmm. that should never happen ever again. You should have reproducible builds. So, if it works on one computer, it should work on the other computer because, like, all the dependencies are specified. So that that yeah. should go away.
1: One of the best descriptions that I I heard uh, about uh, about motivating Nix is that everything on your computer implicitly depends on a whole bunch of things, but you just don't know about it. So when you're yeah. building something, you're depending on your operating system, the mm-hmm. particular version of your operating system. It might ship with certain libraries like uh, the version of GCC, for example, the C compiler, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might ship different versions of LibC or some v- a variety of uh, uh, other libraries like that are, that are commonly linked in. And so if you don't know what those are and you don't pin those versions, then if you are running a slightly different... A version of your OS than your buddy sitting next to you, and you both run the same script, then you will actually have different outcomes. And that gets even worse when you have compilers, uh, or, or rather, build processes that take into account other external, uh, external things. Like maybe they do some random number generation, or they, uh, you know, involve uh, accessing the network for some reason. Uh, like yeah. all kinds of weird stuff happens. And so, basically, the point of Nix is to take into account the entire universe of dependencies that go into building a piece of, of software and make that explicit so that then every time you need to build it, you can exactly reproduce the same inputs to get the same output. Yeah, I mean, like
0: sometimes I wonder why we keep a Git history, because if you've ever gone back in history to a previous commit and try to like start your software, like it never works. Like I, I've never gotten it to work well beyond like, so I'm like, why do we keep this stuff around? But like, presumably with reproducible builds, you should be able to, because like sometimes like for some reason, the strange mix of like packages aren't quite the same as they used to be. And so like, it just never works. And so this way it'd be cool to be able to go back to, for nostalgic reasons, I guess, like, Spin up old versions of your uh, to-do app that you spent—I don't know—or or like company software, like what if you work at Shopify? Spin up like Shopify from 2000 and I don't know 15 or something, and and click around or take a couple screenshots for a talk that you're doing, right? So yeah. so like those things make it uh, presumably would make it much more possible than than other woods wise would.
1: Yeah, definitely, and. And actually, not just that. Uh, sometimes there's just software that is completely just lost to time. Uh, it, like, if you go to GitHub, at least when I go to GitHub and I see a repo that's older than maybe three, four years, mm-hmm. when it's reaching five, six, or even longer years, I'm like, I'm not going to bother running this because I have no idea. Like, everything has changed since then. The yeah. libraries have all changed. I don't know if the package managers are even, like, hosting this, like, version that this thing is depending on. Or I don't even know what version of Node or Python or whatever that they are depending on to run this. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother figuring it out. And so there are some good uh, good libraries out there that people just wrote long ago and just didn't bother updating, which now nobody can even use, right? And so... yeah. Uh, I think beyond archaeology, I think it's just unlocking the potential of of, uh, software that's written even and keeping it evergreen.
0: Yeah, it's funny that we have a term called bit rot because, like, technically bits don't rot, but it's really just that the context in which a computer exists changes around it, and if we can actually fix all, like, fix by, like, meaning freeze all that, then it should technically work. Like, it should technically rot,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's it's really, really interesting because I think that the ideas behind Nix have shown up in a few different places. Uh, when I was researching Nix for this episode, there was a lot of debate or or confusion around when would someone use Nix versus something like Docker? And yeah. I think it's a reasonable confusion because Docker is now widely accepted in mm-hmm. our industry, and it uses yeah. very similar concepts. The idea that Docker is trying to solve is uh, is potentially related to Nix in that uh, Docker it was solving the how-do-you-have-reproducible OS... Uh, environments, which actually Nix also is in the business of as well. Uh, But so prior to Docker, the way that you'd set up machines is that you would spin up a uh, a virtual environment or an EC2 instance or something, a virtual machine or something like this and then so, you would well, run it in
0: like the 2000s
1: i didn't know how far back you were going to go yeah yeah spin in up the, the diesel 2000s. generator. Not... yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the diesel generator with the server in the back no 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 so <laughs> right. yes immediately PCT before would... docker right, what you would right, have right. is is you you might have a vm or something and you'd spin it up and you would have these scripts that you would run and they would download all the packages that you would want and uh, you know install some put some files uh, across the file system and specify some services, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that this was a very fragile process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't actually get this to reliably work uh, a lot of the time. And so uh, Docker solved this by basically saying you a Docker file is a set of steps that in which you specify what, all the dependency chain, right? So you have this OS as your base layer. You mm-hmm. have, you know, install this package, install this package, put these yeah, files. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... It spits out something that you can run over and over again, and that comes yep. out in the same exact state. So people have bought into that idea, and basically Nix is is in the same business, right? So so Nix works in a very very similar way, in that you specify all of the uh, libraries, the universe of things that should be on your computer, or just within some, in order to run some particular project, let's say, uh, and then it will it'll spit out. A perfect kind of hermetically sealed environment and it'll have everything that you need to run so I think like it's not too far-fetched of an idea anymore I think
0: hopefully not but that's that wasn't the the sense that I got from reading HN comments and so I don't know I, I think the adoption is starting to ramp up even though this has been around for a while I mean, some of the big players have started to use it, such as what Shopify and Replit is a smaller startup, but I mean, they're making waves, I mean, making waves about uh, Nix in in the forums in which developers pay attention. So I want to say that optimistically another five years, like I think a lot of people will probably start to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I think I'm always like five to six years a little, <laughs> little too early on everything, so that's yeah. my usual guess. <laughs> and yeah, and I, like, I feel like I'm completely late to Nix also, but like, given given the sentiment, it, that that's my take.
1: Well, I, yeah, I think both Replit and Shopify um, have been really getting into it in the past, maybe one to two years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a great series of videos on uh, on YouTube by by the Shopify team about oh. how they use Nix, and um, we'll, I thought we'll it was put really it you know, put it in the show notes. You'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Basically, um, they they have a huge service, uh, like a monolithic app that runs Shopify. It's a monolithic Rails app, mm-hmm. and it uh, needs you know all types of SQL servers or, or database servers, uh, as well as other variety of like message queues and other things uh, in order yeah. to actually successfully run this. Mm-hmm. And so as you might imagine, uh, being able to run this in your dev environment uh, is can be cumbersome, right? If you had to configure all of these things manually and install them yeah. and make sure that they are identical to what would run in production. And so they use Nix for this. I th- I know a lot of people are using Docker for the same use case as well, but uh, it seems like the Docker is almost overkill. Like you don't necessarily need sandblasting to sandblasting a cracker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> you do, you don't need to pretend like you have an entirely different operating system in order to run this like one service. Like you you basically just need all of its dependencies there. Right. That's all. That's all you need.
0: Yeah, uh, in some ways, I I've, I can't say that I love Docker. Like I like the isolation that it gives it, and I've tried to use it as, in, like you just described, as a way to isolate development dependencies so that I don't have to help spin up other people on their computers. But it always feels so heavyweight. Like it's eats up so much memory and disk space on my computer. Yeah. And before I got the M1, it was just always spinning my fan and. I guess like Nix, it's just using the the OS natively, and it's not like it has another layer. Like it, it's almost mm-hmm. like a hack on top of the current layer. But it's it's when you're running the software, it's on that layer itself. It's not like another VM on top or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah. I I feel like even though they're coming at it from a different perspective, you can use it to replace. A certain use case that docker is already like people that people are already using docker for so that that's why the comparisons uh be made a lot of times
1: yeah exactly uh yeah i thought that that was really interesting uh and then i thought that uh actually both companies that were uh that have been using this have an interesting pattern as well uh because nix has reproducible builds, meaning that when it builds a particular artifact, let's say a particular library or a particular binary, that is, given the same inputs, it's always the same, you can actually share that. So if you were to just persist Um, that to a a shared file system that is mounted uh, on all of the uh, computers on your network, on your intranet, Mm -hmm. then you can actually speed up individual developers builds as well because as long as they haven't completely uh, obviated the entire environment and and they're mm-hmm. running the same set of dependencies that most other people are they can just mount those uh, that have already been built right and yeah, so because
0: it's immutable once you build it it should never change so that I mean that's it
1: yeah exactly yeah so I thought that was that was also powerful that that's sort of the um, I don't know. It almost feels like kind of a network effects type thing, like where yeah. y- you now, the more people within your your company or your team are using Nix, you get to share things like this. Uh, whereas like previously, if you built something on your own computer, um, it's not so easy that you could just like drop it in a folder and, and have, have some, someone download that and run it because it might not uh, capture all of the dependencies that it needs in order to run, whereas Nix, of course, does, and so it unlocks that capability as well.
0: Yeah, this this is, uh, it seems like we already slid into the next segment of our <laughs> podcast, which is like, what does it do? Let us do that's new. Like this does remind me that if these uh, packages and uh, package environments and applications are so readily available on the network, one thing is that you could spin up cluster software much more easily. So like, you know, like, it's hard enough to set up software on one machine. But if you have things that are reproducible builds, it's much easier to spin up other things. Like right now we use images for for something like that. Or we we have a, a Docker container, right? But like, you could easily um, do this sort of thing with uh, reproducible builds, you can just spin up uh, whatever servers for to, to bring uh, servers up and down and also um, it makes it easy to set it up for um, continuous integration like for development and uh, like I mentioned for developer environments so no more it only works on my machine or and uh, it's easier to onboard teammates and get everybody set up uh, really quick um, I was also thinking like it probably should lead to way less stack overflow posts and i wonder (laughs) if like somebody i don't know maybe with data set or something like graphs stack overflow posts of this nature over time with the adoption of nix whether they're like anti-correlated at all that that would be interesting to see like my assumption would be that uh it would be the case but who knows like we create all sorts of accidental complexity for
1: ourselves but but that that would be my take on it yeah uh okay so so have you ever had to change your your uh your laptop uh how long does it take you to like regain your your productivity oh when you if, your if i like
0: buy a le- new laptop yeah. and then eh, I mean, I set up the basic stuff and then let everything else flow in slowly, but it it takes at least a week, I want to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, For me as well. And uh, it's such a pain too, because I know some of the things that need to be done in order to like that I should just do right off the bat, yeah. but yeah. there's like a hundred other things which I don't remember that I have done to my computer. Which I only find out incrementally when I try to do something, and then I'm like, oh, that's not there. I need to yeah. now install this, and and you just sort of like tumble your way through yeah. until you like finally <laughs> right, get things right. working. Um, and, and the
0: opposite is true too. I, there's plenty of things that I've tried that I don't use anymore. I'm looking on my disk space like. What is this thing? Well, apparently, like, I installed GHC a while back to try this thing out, and now it's just sitting on my hard drive doing nothing, right? GHC is the Glasgow Haskell compli- pilot. Like, even though I talk yeah. about functional programming in Haskell, I don't actually program in Haskell all that often. <laughs> but, like, it's just sitting on my computer doing nothing. And with Nix, like, what you can do is you can just garbage collect packages and it'll because it knows all the dependencies if you're not using something actively it it can just garbage collect that
1: yeah yeah so that's that's actually really cool just in terms of uh unlocking people's productivity when they have to upgrade their machines which as an individual It doesn't happen all that often, like uh, maybe you change your laptop or, or whatever machine every two years, but imagine you have a group of 100 people. Probably a good number of those people are are do, going through this process at any given time, right? Just bi- based on uh, on how probability works, and so uh, and the shittier your company, with the higher turnover, the more this is happening. Is this what you're saying? <laughs> well, yeah, no, but even if even if you have the same hundred <laughs> people uh, at any given time, there's a there's a, a good uh, possibility that some amount of those people are undergoing this process of of low mm-hmm. productivity, right? Uh, It's the same argument for you have like, uh, uh, you know, computers or hard disks that will only fail once every two years. But if you have a hundred of them that at any given time, one of those is failing, right? And so, um, yeah. So I think like that, uh, just from a team perspective, uh, this could be a huge boost. And then I think the other other thing is uh, that's interesting is that a lot of the reason why developers are so there are two camps on developer environments there's one set of people who are maximalists and they say i have my you know vim exactly in this way or even like emacs is even more like those guys like have uh, their perfectly tuned environments and and they'll never want to give that up right and mm-hmm. and that's how they're productive and that uh, enables them to be productive And I think that Nix can help those folks because if they were to specify their uh, configurations in Nix, then they would be able to have that environment anywhere. Like they could go to uh, even like some other machine, some temporary loaner machine, and Mm -hmm. if it had Nix enabled, they could say uh, install my Nix configuration and they'd bring up basically an environment that would be identical to their handcrafted environment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely like right now, the, the, I think the more common use cases that I see is for that is a, for a particular project. So, like a particular project might specify all its package dependencies so you can carry it from machine to machine, from teammate to teammate. But you're yeah. saying for like one individual person, you can carry your own thing, regardless of project, from machine to machine. And yeah. So, so, so Nix yeah.
1: has a, has a offshoot mm-hmm. project called Home Manager. Which oh, okay. is uh, basically um, like you know how people have lots of dot files in their home yeah. directory, which specify yeah, yeah. their editor configuration or all the variety of software. So it's basically yeah. home manager's dot files, but specified in the Nix OS. Um, so I think it could help those people. And then I think there's the other camp of people who are minimalists in that they yeah. say, uh, I refuse to use any customization on my development environment because I can't guarantee that. I will have that in you know right. in an emergency when I need to SSH into some yeah. other computer or whatever.
0: Yeah, why get used to the good stuff when you aren't sure that it's going to be there? So I might as well stay, <laughs> live poor, stay poor, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think
1: that uh, maybe those some of those people are uh, <laughs> just doing that out of fear or uh, because they know that they can't re- have reproducible environments yeah. and so no, I mean I, I, I understand the well.
0: sentiment because like <laughs> I am tempted to learn the Devora keyboard but knowing me like there's so many other keyboards that I have to switch to sometimes it just be a waste because I can't carry my Dvorak keyboard with me so maybe with a complete Nix OS you can carry that configuration with you so that you can use your Devora keyboard key bindings on any computer that you go to, presumably, yeah. right? So, but yeah, like, speaking of which, like, I think the, one of the new things and admittedly confusing things about the whole Nix project is that they call different aspects of Nix, Nix. And so there is the Nix OS in which they take this package management idea to the extreme where, like, what if we had an entire OS and Linux distribution built upon nix and so right now you can use it with like you know most other computers and it'll work side by side like you can have it work alongside homebrew and other package managers uh but like what if you had an entire os and maybe with the entire os you can just roll back your applications roll forward whatever you use
1: and you can carry your devora keyboard configuration and there's no problem right Yeah, so it seems like there are a lot of benefits, and it seems like people, developers, especially experienced developers, have felt the pains of package management and reproducible builds and things that we're talking about. Um, But why do you think that Nix hasn't taken off?
0: Well, so like I mentioned earlier, I've read through a bunch of uh, Hacker News and Lobster comments on Nix over the years. And it's, as you said, I, I think people just find it hard to learn and that the, the learning curve is steep. Um, I think a couple of things contribute to this. It's almost like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, and if the core concept wasn't as beneficial as it is and if there wasn't that bright light of rainbow and 10x at the end I I don't think this project would have survived (laughs) for so long but I mean like initially I think think it does remind me of Git in which it demands that users understand its underlying data model in order to use it With some sort of understanding because you could just kind of memorize what the different commands do just like git and you don't really have an understanding of like why it's happening or like what all the different options mean and i mean you could get by and then when something goes wrong you're like i don't know what's going on but if you have that mental model with it then i think a lot of things make much more sense it's almost like like i've often talked about git as really just a data structure that you manipulate through the command line um and that's that's effectively what it is and it starts off with what they call plumbing commands which like basically like close to the metal and then they have layered some more user-friendly or uh developer experience centric commands on top basically closer to the domain level uh, that you are working at with repositories and they call these porcelain plumbing porcelain mm, yeah yeah. yeah. And, and so I so I think think it is with Nix um, that it's commands are relying on the user to have a good mental model of its data model in order to operate it with some understanding. And so I think that uh, requires people that adopt it to put a f- in a fair amount of work to go look at what these concepts are. It's, it's, it's not like anything else that people have used before. So I think that's one thing. And then mm. the second thing is also that the docs aren't very good. They're all over the place. Um, I think they could do a lot better on that, uh, and the tutorial series on Nix, they took it from some other website, I mean, probably with permission, but they didn't bother <laughs> writing their own. And so I really think that really hampers their their adoption rate. I, I think they could do a lot better on the docs. And And I think lastly, for some of the things in functional programming or functional ideas, they only tend to get merit once you've been burned a lot i want to say mm-hmm. and so I, I don't want to say it's only like senior engineers that see the value in this sort of stuff but i i want to say for some of the things you don't really see the pain until you've scaled beyond your like mental comprehension for how complex some of these systems are and so anything that you can to tamp down the complexity is something that you gravitate towards as you've gained more experience at least that's my personal opinion so so those are the some of the things that that i see as barriers to adoption for nix because like functional programming ideas are still not quite mainstream even though it's starting to bleed out people don't necessarily call them by their functional names um but yeah like i think pre-gaming you're calling it like you might put spinach in the pizza, but as long as you don't tell them there's spinach in pizza, people will just eat it anyway, and so it is with functional programming, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, people are using things that are quite functional in nature. Um, so Docker is, is maybe one, you can kind of think of it as functional-inspired. Uh, it's not necessarily... But uh, even things like React pull a lot of uh, uh, inspiration from functional programming. Yeah, so we're, we're seeing it infiltrate. But yeah, if, uh, all of those kind of sneak it in. They they don't say, "Hey, this is a you know functional inspired paradigm or something like that." They they kind of just sell the the domain the benefit. benefit, yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah, maybe Nix shouldn't even call themselves like a functional package manager because people are like, yeah. what does that even mean? Right. So it took yeah. us like 22 minutes or 20 minutes to 30 minutes to explain all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that that's, that's one. I remember using Nix like almost 10 years ago. And at that time, uh, I, I was also bit by the first thing that you were talking about, which is that you have to understand the underlying data model. Uh, yeah. So. Many people might be able to uh, relate to this, but Git is a good example because like more concretely, there's the plumbing in the porcelain, uh, like you said, but like you you're fine. You can interact with the porcelain uh, just fine for day-to- day stuff, but sometimes something goes wrong, right? So you you install something and there's some conflict uh, or I don't know something something just happens. You want yeah. to do something slightly unconventional because you found yourself in some kind of situation, mm-hmm. uh, and then very quickly, uh, once you pass the the very basic set of five commands that everybody knows, then you're in this like weird world where you're like looking at uh, the like git ref log and yeah like this kind of stuff which like you have to understand like these are like a tree and it has these like chunks which like refer to each other that's for git um similarly i think for nix uh sometimes when things go wrong you do have to understand uh that at, at the base of all of nix are is this uh, basically graph database called the nix store and it has yeah. these things called the derivations they're all uh-huh. quite low level things uh, which are not necessarily obvious to you when you're just using normal nix uh, with the, the nice uh, the, the sort of nice interface and so yeah, I, I was the, the data structure comes up fairly quickly i mean like
0: it, it's kind of like uh, i don't know what's what would be a good analogy just um, I don't know. I guess a car that has uh, the basic steering wheel and gas, but like, if you want to brake, you gotta like open up the car and figure <laughs> out <laughs> yeah. how to stop the wheels or something. I, I don't know. That's bad analogy, but but basically, like the underlying, it's a leaky abstraction. Like the under da- data model is the th- the thing is <laughs> the thing that you're working with, and so if you don't have an understanding of that, um, it's going to be Uh, rough. And I think that the other issue is when you're a working programmer, you usually think of the application language as your domain within the purview. And so anything outside of it, like whether it's DevOps, package management, even the build system, I often feel like, ah, like, this is another thing I have to learn. And if I didn't put a lot of effort into it already, it's like not in my core competency. I just want it to work, right? Mm -hmm. For for version control, I don't want to like fuck around with like understanding this or that. I just want it to work. With package management, I I don't want to like be an expert at this. I just want it to work. (laughs) And so I think like asking users, to understand it can be more than what people are willing to put in especially if they don't understand what's at the end of the rainbow and so you're only willing to put in that work if you understand the benefits ahead of time and even then it could be hard to sell the benefits if you haven't seen it and like you have to spend a lot of time selling people on that benefit and so I I think, of course, adoption is going to be slow because it has to be to the people that have the patience, that have had the problem, and recognize it without you having to explain it for 30 minutes, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think that this is another reason why probably the vector that Nix could succeed if it were to succeed is in the context of teams in a large company that has these cross-functional uh, roles such as maybe developer, uh, developer experience team, or or some tooling team that maintains the overall like build system or things like this. Uh, because obviously, at a small scale, it's a waste of your time to set up all this stuff for you, or at least nobody really wants to do it, even though maybe it would save them time. Uh, but at you know, once you get to a team of a hundred people or something, some of those people are going to be dedicated to just making sure that uh, their your core developer tools are uh, in good shape. And so that's what we've seen, or at least that's what I've seen uh, in terms of like Shopify and uh, companies of that size dedicating uh, their resources to Nix. I think the gap there is that until recently, until like I was reading these like engineering blogs, Nix never really talked about the benefits that it solved for uh for like enterprise or for like you know a company oh. <laughs> they they sort of were just like hey wouldn't it be really cool if you could uh just like reproducibly build things uh and i'm like i don't know all right I, that's not a real problem that i go around saying like i really wish i could reproducibly build things right like i think the the language yeah. is, is different like i'm like oh i wish that I have a continuous integration server, or I have like integration tests that are running in like some cloud or something, and uh, those integration tests are always like uh, flaky, uh, and it works just fine when I run it, but when I push, my integration tests are broken, and it's it like slows everybody down because we can't uh, we can't do a deploy, right? Like these are the kinds of things yeah. that like companies struggle with, and and Nix yeah, can solve, yeah. but they don't talk about it. Yeah, or,
0: like, the supply chain security. Like, that's a big thing now, especially after the whole left pad debacle and subsequent stuff. I mean, when every package is immutable, then you don't... And there's effectively... Well, are they signed? I don't think they're signed, but, like, you know if somebody's changing bits in in your package because the hash would be wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, And so, effectively, it's one way to be more sure that... The package that you're installing is what the builders of the package intended, right? And so mm-hmm. somebody can't just sneak in arbitrary code in your dependencies without you knowing about it. And that's like yet another thing that that's new that um, we can do with Nix, but it's a risk in current package management systems that we all take just for granted. I guess it's like the early days of the internet where people were like, well, everybody's kind of in it for the same reason. I, I don't think we should worry too much about security. And then <laughs> Robert, Robert Morris goes and writes the Morris Worms and people are like, okay, maybe we need to worry a little bit about this, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, I think, I mean, this is a big thing that's growing. Like now you have all these uh, vulnerabilities that have cool names, right? Like Heartbleed. Yeah. Uh, right. Which uh, you know everybody was freaking out about. Like everybody had to audit their um, software to make sure that yeah. their OpenSSL uh, library wasn't that version that was affected by Heartbleed and 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 things. And every year now, there's going to be a nice fancy new hack with a cool name and a logo. It's uh, <laughs> bugs as product launches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like in this world where where you have like cool branding for bugs. And there's some like cachet in in finding them or even in making them. Um, like I think as a I don't know CTO, that's the business case that Nix can solve. And specifically for like vulnerabilities like this. Uh, so so there are two, there are two cases that we're maybe conflating here. For the left pad thing, uh, the the risk the attack vector there was that it wasn't that an intruder came and. Uh, infiltrated the company systems what actually happened is that somebody just pushed the owner of that package pushed a new version of that package which was basically broken or removed some functionality just broke everybody's builds everybody who depended on that uh, node.js package then were unable to run their program or whatever.
0: Yeah, not just directly, but every other library that depended on that broke up the chain. And so everything that depended on it eventually just broke because the owner of the package decided to break it on purpose. Yeah, And exactly. so next with uh, immutable packages, like the once a version is built, it's on the server. Uh, and the only way to break it is, I guess, to delete it. And so once it's there and it's built and it's buildable, then as long as the server's up, then you should always be able to download it. And then if you have a local cache, you should always be able to depend on it and
1: use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and so that, that's one. And then for something where it's like Heartbleed, where it's not necessarily that there was a, a uh, an update that broke things, but rather that there is an existing version which is vulnerable, and that vulnerability has only recently been found, then I think Nix can help in that. Nix can query because it knows the dependencies of of everything. The entirety of the dependencies, you can actually query what are all the direct dependencies, and not just the direct dependencies, the transitive closure, which is just all of the downstream dependencies as well of this like one vulnerable package. And then you can say, oh, well, this server is affected because you know it's running this binary. This server is going to be affected. It's running this other binary and we need to patch them. And so it kind of gives you a roadmap uh, rather than having to kind of manually audit every single piece of your software and say, oh, well, did we happen to link OpenSSL here or not even just we, did we link it? Did some of our libraries that we depend on somewhere also link it? Um, you can actually just find that out just by asking Nix.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like you get the that graph, uh, dependency graph, and you should be able to do analysis on it whether for practical reasons such as uh, marking things as vulnerable, and so you'd be able to see all the ones that are vulnerable, or like what are the uh, attributes of popular packages? How do they gain dependencies over time? And that sort of uh, inspection uh, for research purposes, that that would also be interesting as well. And yeah. so I, I think um, like in, in summary, I think there's a lot of benefits to what Nix can provide just based on the functional, like taking pure functional programming as an idea into DevOps, but it's got a lot of stuff holding it back, namely its documentation. And so I think really, like, the Nix team find ways to write documentation, I guess. I mean, the (laughs) uh, unsolicited opinion of two guys having a drink on an undiscovered podcast but like for posterity i i I think that would be that would be my unsolicited penny for their thoughts i guess like what what do you think how how would how would people get over that hump for for uh for using nyx i guess besides listening to this podcast as
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, as much as I, I hate to say it, I it, it's basically the, the same thing. I think uh, that once there are a few of these early adopters, you know, if if you go to any enterprise website, uh, you they never tell you what the hell their yeah. software does, but <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. this like solutions page. Right, and the solutions right. page like tells you all kinds of things like it's useful in this industry, it's useful in this industry, and just tells you those like stories. And I never understood those but i think that nix could use a solutions page like they um, could say yeah. right it, like nix nix is useful for uh i don't know this type of uh, you know stage of company or uh like if you're if you're using docker already here's how nix can you know play a part like just like grounding some of their use cases more in in uh, developers like in, in, actual in,
0: pained experiences yeah, would exactly. probably go a long way in because like we we've had to like piece together our i mean that's why we started this thing at the top of the episode with the stories of our own pains and experiences rather than jumping to exactly what it is right so yeah
1: yeah exactly so i think yeah i mean you know this is a slightly uh, tangent but we mentioned this a lot about just like Uh, developers are you know kind of they chase fashion um and and also i think like thinking about everything that you encounter from first principles is not possible like there's just too many new things coming out there there's too much to know like you're as a individual developer with a job to be done you're not just going to go to some random project page and like delve into its philosophy and figure out like what it can do for you you know you just pattern match very quickly
0: (laughs) yeah there there that that does exist (laughs) not to say that it doesn't but like you can't do that for everything and nobody's gonna like nobody not everyone that comes across nyx is gonna do that for for nyx so yeah you want to make it easier for people and so i think that's definitely something that that that'll help and so i guess with that like we i think we've talked through like a and have a better understanding of what nix is and what it can do and why it was difficult to get adoption but like barring that like i think the core concept here is strong enough that i think once it gets wider adoption it'll make some waves in the industry and so this is the part of the segment where we talk about the second and third order effects so if this technology were to be adopted everywhere like what would happen after that like what what would be the result of this and i was thinking that one thing is probably that it'll help spearhead the adoption of more functional concepts uh, functional programming concepts and uh-huh. i mean these things are bleeding everywhere and so we've already talked about that and where you know with functional programming i think people get distracted by the types where like immutability is the star here and so i think more and more people will see how immutab- immutability is beneficial and start to adopt it in other places where we don't
1: have it. So I think that's one thing.
0: But then, like squinting. Oh, my actually, brain, let me
1: let me make a plug yeah. here that like I think yeah, we're yeah. taking it for granted. Uh, but uh, this might be new to to people. If you're interested, we do have a episode functional oh, programming yes. everywhere, which uh, you should watch. And then I think another interesting one that is centered around immutability is the Unison programming language uh, mm-hmm. episode, which uh, you should also check out. And also, just subscribe uh, if you like oh, yes. what you're here. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah and, and so I think definitely, like, we've talked about some of these concepts before, and Nix is kind of a nice tie-in into these themes that we've talked about in previous episodes. But then I think kind of thinking a little bit further along, um, one thing that I thought about was if Nix was more readily adopted across the board... It would make it easier for digital archaeology. Um, because right now you have a lot of people whose hobby projects are to revive, say, the Alto or the old Macintoshes, and they go to extreme lengths not just to restore their hardware but also the software. And oftentimes, even just on my like ten year old laptop, like, I can't find software that works for it, and I'm just, like, praying that, like, uh, like I can find versions that work on it, or I can build it from source. And it was nice when I couldn't, for, for this open source project, I wanted to run it, but it, there was no pre-built binaries for something that old the 2011 (laughs) macbook and so i was able to build it from source and so i can imagine there's plenty of things that aren't available for a computer the older that it gets and we talked about how builds just weren't reproducible and you can just like these are perfectly usable computers because moore's law isn't increasing at such a rate that it obsoletes computers like it did back in the nineties. So I think it's the software that needs catching up. And so you have perfectly usable hardware devices that if there was software that can cater to it without great cost to everybody else, I mean, that's, that's, I I think that would be a great boon and not just that, but for people for nostalgic reasons, want to bring back, the Macintosh or in 20 years you're nostalgic about, I don't know, what would people be nostalgic about? Their M1 or, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Like you want to restore it and get it running again. Well, definitely like for, well, like people are definitely nostalgic for consoles, but I, I mean, that's outside the purview. So maybe something mm-hmm. like the Xbox. <laughs> Xbox runs Windows. And so I, I guess like Nix runs Windows, is, can can run on Windows as well. And so you could be yeah. able to restore your Xbox just fine. And and that that would be very good. And so we'd be able to reuse a lot of the hardware that we have for smaller tasks in our day-to-day mm-hmm. lives.
1: Yeah, actually, I think a, a big use case for this could be um could be video games as well. Uh I think two in two ways. One is it's it might be possible to run run video games that are are a little bit older. Sometimes as operating systems update uh, and you try to run like a, a game from 10 years ago, it might not oh. necessarily
0: run. Well, you could run an emulator maybe.
1: Well, so you could run an emulator, or maybe if what's missing is just that it it. Uh, so so the, so the risk here is that some programs might rely on things like dynamic linking, like they expect mm-hmm. that your operating system pro- exposes some library, which then they can just find at runtime. Mm-hmm. And if you upgrade uh, your OS or the uh, the OS has some fundamental change in its uh, you know underlying uh, libraries, it exposes. Then you can't run the the things that depend on that anymore. And so oh, wait,
0: so wait, are you saying that Nix isn't able to do runtime dependencies? Because it, it can. No, no, no.
1: I'm saying I'm saying like that. It, it Nix can solve this problem. Like oh oh right 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 yeah. Right. yeah. So so yeah, like yeah, if yeah. if like a, some dynamic library is not available in your host OS, but it, it, under some Nix environment, you could then you could uh, run. You, you know, you you can basically run the game in the Nix environment, which exposes the libraries that used to exist in some older version of the OS.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so we we didn't dive into the nitty-gritties of how Nix works. Like, for that, we'll link to it in the show notes. But there's a big 300-page thesis that you can dive <laughs> into exactly what we're talking about. But just in short, uh, Nix can also, uh, within reason, figure out what sort of runtime dependencies a package will have by scanning it for the hashes that uh, will pop up in the configuration files or inside of it. And so there's ones where it doesn't, but it's it's able to do a fairly good job at it. And so if you want to read more details, you can look at the thesis, and it basically equates this runtime a- aspect of dependencies to memory management in modern programming languages and it's pretty interesting so you should check it out but yeah so back to us looking into the future Uh, like what what else do you think will Nix enable if this is like everywhere besides say digital archaeology or being able to uh, revisit the past uh, of your favorite software (laughs) OS environments
1: yeah I think uh, one thing that I'm always interested in is in the context of a company like your choices uh, in terms of your, your tech stack, let's say that your team uses or your particular project uses are constrained by some global policy company-wide policy that says like we support this type of database we support this type of infrastructure these languages etc cetera, etc cetera. and, and yeah, like it, some angry angry like uh,
0: devops or cto that that had just one too many brushes with uh, something else or another so they're like we only use these te- technologies on these stacks and that sort of thing right
1: yeah exactly and and you know, it makes sense because uh, there's a burden uh, to to running too many things because when things break or when there are, like we said, vulnerabilities that need to be patched, you need to have the team of people who are managing those servers are often different than the people who developed the, the servers. And so you need a standard playbook uh, in order to say, okay, well, how do we find out what this thing depends on. How do we rebuild this thing after we've patched some vulnerability, and how do we deploy it again? And so, uh, in the in the current world, the solution to this is we we tell you what to use, and we know how these things are built, and we you know we can track all the uh, the dependencies that it uh, it uses. But in the Nix world, maybe uh, it relieves that burden because then as long as everything is using Nix. The SRE team or the DevOps team that is managing the servers, uh, maybe they would be able to, you know, run a nix command and very quickly find out what are the the packages that this thing, uh, the server that's running, what is it depending on? Uh, or okay, we need we found uh, we need to roll back to some previous version of the server. They can use nix to do that, right? They don't need to use the native package manager of that one language or whatever. Like So I think that that could enable more choice because maybe if the SRE team doesn't need to uh, worry so much about your individual choices as long as they are all abstracted through Nix, then you as an individual development team can decide to spin up or, or pull in some other dependencies that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. So then do you think that
0: then the expertise on any particular stack will get spread too thin across the entire team if everybody can use what they want if if this is what it enables
1: oh like are you saying that if all the teams in a company are using like very different things like that yeah in the, the
0: in the yeah in the the weirdest case in yeah, the most... Uh, yeah, I yeah.
1: mean, I think there's there's some limit to this. Uh, like, you probably wouldn't want to run a company in which, like, if you were to switch projects, you have a, <laughs> right. you know, months-long ramp-up time because you don't have any transferable skills. Uh, so I think <laughs> c- certainly, like, there's that other extreme, but I have been in uh, some situations where, for example, my problem would have been solved if i could use redis but there was no existing instance of redis being used in the company and in order to use redis i would have to write some document about like justifying why redis is a good solution for this problem and uh you know whatever justifying to to the team that has to deploy this at like a massive scale right Uh, Right. this is not just pointless bureaucracy but just at some massive scale people have to be very careful about these things and and so my choice there actually in that particular project was i guess i'm not going to use redis because like this is going to be a big waste of time and i can sort of fumble my way through like life without it you know
0: Aha, that means you write your own Redis. That was the choice you came to, right? That was the conclusion. Let's write yeah. it
1: in-house, guys. Yeah, basically. Or I, I, I sort of hacked together, you know, so it, it basically... A like, poor the, man's the, Redis, I guess. Yeah. If I had Nix, I would be basically be able to specify Redis as a dependency and be able to just show the DevOps team, like, okay, this is how I've pulled it in. This is the version that it's running. And if it needs to be upgraded, it needs to be rolled back, whatever it is, they have the tools that they need to to do it, right? They don't need to go learn all of the tools the and best practices for yet another dependency.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Because then that lets people to have the freedom to find the best tool. I guess it's, it's a trope by now, best tool for the job sort of thing. And um, instead of I guess, doing your whole own half-baked version because <laughs> you, you got other stuff to take care of, right? So. yeah, no, no. Yeah, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then um, I guess a, another thing I was wondering was whether it was possible for functional programming languages to fold Nix into itself so that you can do the configuration in your application programming language. Um, Mm. and so say like if you're programming in Haskell, you compile down into Nix and then to be able to control your own package, uh, like distribution package management so that importing modules locally and remotely kind of blend into one so that you don't actually have two separate concepts for something like that. And so as long as you can do that, it it makes like a um the deployment of the software would be folded into the story of the programming application programming language because oftentimes mm. like we think of it as two different things right where i write the program but then it's out of the purview of the application programming language to say exactly how this will be deployed and so maybe that's another thing that can happen where I guess it's the return of full stack developer.
1: Um, are, are are you saying basically something like whenever you do uh, import or acquire something in your language, that somehow translates to adding a Nix dependency on that package? Yeah, like that?
0: yeah, kind of like that. Where like the mechanism for importing local and remote packages become blurred. I, I guess I'm thinking more along the lines, uh, kind of like in terms of back in our Unison episode, in which in Unison, the code is completely pure functional. So that means every time you change a function, there's another version of it that gets put out there. And so Mm -hmm. one benefit of that is that you can ship code across the network. So you can spin up a cluster and the nodes don't have to be preloaded with any code. They could just be sitting empty Mm-hmm. And you can just ship code over to it and it'll start running uh, what it needs to as a result. And so you'd be able to build these kind of systems, basically like steal the ideas from Unison and then pull it into here, even though you don't have a functional language yourself, like uh, something along those lines. It's it's kind of a, a little bit of a fuzzy thought, but basically mm-hmm. taking that idea, use, leveraging Nix in order to implement something similar.
1: Oh, I see. I see. Okay, so basically, like, you you want to have these shippable functions, let's say. Yeah. Because normally a, we we think about like code as something that we pre bake
0: into a machine that we stand up, and then it's mm-hmm. the data that we ship around, or or like sitting somewhere, right? And yeah. so we, that's kind of how we think about it. But like, what if code? If code was immutable, that means it never changes once it's written. So that means that if something is immutable, you're sure that it won't change out from under you. So you can just ship it around the network to different nodes. And so you should be able to do that with something like Nix. Of course, you wouldn't do it down to the granularity of functions. But with Mm -hmm. packages or like clusters of software like you should be able to do that. And I guess that's effectively what like Docker tries to achieve and like Nix package managers. And so what I'm saying is normally we think of it as something outside the application code. Mm -hmm. But like if the purview of the application was also to stand up like a distributed cluster as part of its spec, then that might be uh, something that could be helped with Nix. Uh, you, You get what I'm saying, right?
1: Yeah, actually. So so I think the just to ground it a little, I think that the most common use case that I've seen this kind of thing is if you're if you're using uh a like platform as a service. Yeah, uh, yeah. like Something where like you you're like you have your own code and then, you, basically, your the, the, your platform uh, provider has these empty uh, compute clusters mm-hmm. that can just yeah. accept your code and run them, right? Mm-hmm. A- yeah. And currently, a lot of these are using things like Docker, like you said. Uh, but uh, Docker is actually um, somewhat problematic in this uh, in this type of environment because it, it takes a while to spin up a Docker uh, container, and mm-hmm. uh, and. A lot of this a lot of the time these platform as a service providers uh will basically page your application out and then spin it up when you get a request or something like that yeah um, and so basically uh docker is not the end all be all here, but you could potentially run a platform as a service that accepts like these nix nixified uh, mm, pieces yeah, of software yeah. and and then it can just like maybe just bring it up as quickly as you could a uh, process, which is very fast. Is, does that sound like a startup to you? Yeah, it kind of I mean, does. I mean, is, <laughs> is, is there
0: is there like a Heroku for Nix packages? Because you could conceivably have a service like Heroku in which you set up like a Nix package, something else or another. Like it specifies an entire application or a mm-hmm. cluster of application, like a suite of things. Like in in a typical like web application, you have a whole bunch of servers that are doing stuff together. And so then it takes Nick's specifications and you send those and then that's how they get deployed. That seems completely conceivable, right?
1: No, it, it's it's absolutely plausible because there are two things which uh, I see that are already existing and uh, you just need to combine them together. Uh, one is that um, Replet, which we mentioned, is a provider of basically uh, cloud developer environments, and they're yeah. using Nix, uh, basically in, in this way, where because they want to support every language and and they mm-hmm. don't want to have their team, you know, manually implementing all the the different languages uh, that they can support, they use Nix in order to just accept uh, any. Any VM or any compiler or any interpreter, uh, you can specify that you want it via Nix, and then Replit will just run that. And and, and so, uh, it enables them to support arbitrary development environments in the cloud. Uh, mm. So that so that's one. But that's for that's the developer side. We're talking more on the runtime side. Yeah. Uh, and then on the runtime side, there are new uh, platforms as a service like fly.io and things which oh do uh, they use nix they don't use nix but uh, the so they currently use docker but they use docker in a kind of weird way they they, they don't run um, they don't run the full like docker image they use like something called like firecracker vm i don't know exactly how it works but they run like some lightweight v- lightweight way to run docker containers that c- they can spin up quickly Um, and so I think perhaps rather than using Docker, if they were to use Nix, then they could simplify their stack because then they can just accept a Nixified, uh, uh, payload and then just run that. And you don't even care about VMs and and things.
0: Mm, I see. Huh? Yeah. So, so I think, uh, yeah, maybe you could also conceivably use this to deploy, not to just servers, but to edge I don't know, anywhere you need to com, uh, deploy stuff. And presumably um, for IoT devices, because I, I think I saw sections where you can use Nix for rab- Raspberry Pis. So, so I guess unless you're doing like a, what is a 6508? I forgot the number, like microcontroller or something like that. You should be able to run Nix on a Raspberry Pi. So that's, that's also conceivable to run the sort of stuff that, to help... Manage a cluster of things. I, I I can see where that would make it very helpful.
1: Mm, interesting. So you basically can. Rem- you're saying like remotely administer a cluster of these like IoT devices or something. No, like yeah.
0: That? Or or even just around the house. I mean, like mm. if if you have like. I mean, IoT isn't so prevalent today, but like as it gets more prevalent and there's more of a open source uh push behind it i think there are some now i'm just not (laughs) super aware of it but but like just being able to manage a whole bunch of devices sounds like a pain in the ass and like if things go down you just don't have time to debug things like that i mean it's like (sighs) i imagine like iot in the house would almost be like running a starship with the technology that we have today. Like, you need, mm-hmm. like, a full engineering crew for all that crap. <laughs> and, like, like we mentioned, like, in some other episode before, like, how does the world of Harry Potter even work with all this magic? Like, is, things should be going wrong all the time. Uh, but, yeah. like, apparently it's only because of incompetence of the spellcaster that things go wrong, that it's not the spells themselves, right? And so in our world, our magic spells go awry by themselves all the time. And so I I don't, yeah, I I wouldn't want a house full of IoT things where it didn't have reproducible builds so so that I could just roll back to things that I knew was at a working state at some point in the past.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I think uh IoT the so the way that you describe it uh is is very, very nerdy. Like I can't imagine that a lot of people have <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like yeah. A, a Raspberry Pi's running or, I, know, I would running say in their house. like
0: it would be more catered towards the people on the self-hosted Reddit or something like that. Not not for everyday users sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well well but but uh you know, I think that's 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 totally valid. But I think that uh it's possible that there's uh, like a an opportunity here to incorporate nix style capabilities into a consumer os uh or even to consumer style like iot devices or something like that so i think one of the reasons why people don't self host uh is that you know system administration is just a huge pain in the ass like nobody like knows like yeah knows even how to do big <laughs> companies
0: don't want to host <laughs> yeah. right
1: yeah. Isn't yeah.
0: Netflix still on AWS? Like, we talked about this before.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I, I think they're still on AWS. I think, like, uh, you know, even big, big enter- enterprises, rather than running, like, uh, particular services, like database services, will just uh, sign up for a hosted version of that database or something because they, yeah. no, they don't want to deal with all whatever stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, but even, you know, on the smaller scale, well, why don't pe- more people self-host uh, their, I don't know, uh, um, backups or something like that. Well, part yeah. of the reason is because you have to have this backup server now, and sometimes it'll go down, and you don't know why. Or like when you reboot uh, uh, after your you've upgraded your OS, that now that backup service like is no longer compatible with the OS or whatever. And yeah. so um, I think something like Nix could could really help help that uh, in that now system and administration is no longer as much of a concern or at least dependency management of system administration. Of course you ha- have other aspects as well, but um, I think like it could, it could help the, the self-hosted use case. And I also think like even besides the like home servers um, use case, even on a consumer operating system, um, people often tell me like my non-technical friends that they're, scared of updating their uh, their OS like mm. uh, you know yeah. uh, on Mac it'll it'll sort of like nag you or it'll say hey I have an update available I have an update available and I have this one friend who she hasn't updated it in like a year and I asked her why and it's like well every time I update my OS half my programs break and I was like yeah. okay I, that's valid right like nobody wants to spend a weekend, like figuring out why half their software doesn't work anymore. And so um, I think like something like Nix, if it were to be baked into the OS, not exposed to the end user, but simply Mm -hmm. just having that capability there um, and having developers develop against that uh, will, will alleviate that problem, right? Where when you upgrade the OS, then at least the programs, because they specify their dependencies uh, we'll, we'll be still able to access them in the upgraded version of the OS.
0: How does that work? Because that means that the old applications would still be able to work. And so that means like old version or like old parts of the OS are still around to support that old application, right? I mean, there's technically no problem with that, but then I guess it yeah. obviates the need for version numbers <laughs> Uh, for the OS I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean I think ev- everything is kind of moving towards this like I mean one uh like there there's a gradient of like big version numbers which like you know the user is aware of because like that's a huge big upgrade. And mm-hmm. then we've gotten to this like world of, of like Chrome and things where they just have constantly updating uh yeah. rolling updates. And I think it's possible that in the future we could get to this world where uh rather than like everything uh even at the os level like particular libraries are able to update out of cycle from like let's say the the os overall because it's possible that you're able to have two separate versions of that library uh yeah. that are accessed independently by different programs via something mm-hmm. like
0: nix yeah yeah yeah
1: huh
0: yeah i mean like i'm one of those people i i delete my OS upgrade because honestly, I just don't want to mess around with stuff. I'll let other people run to the bugs first. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that I take a year, but I I'm definitely a slow mover on my OS upgrades too. So
1: yeah, I I I haven't been I think as a bit by this. Like I don't know I don't know why, uh, but I think uh, especially if you're running things like corporate like vpn software or not vpn mm-hmm. software um you know those like kind of software that um anyway it's just some like enterprise things uh like uh, a lot of the time your system administrators will tell you don't upgrade until we've upgraded all our software because mm-hmm. uh our, all our tools will break if you if you update your os so, so i think there are these definitely some use cases like that mm. uh, yeah So I think early on, we already covered, like, how can we
0: get to this world? and Really, it's just get better documentation, guys. (laughs) Uh, But uh, snark aside, I think it's really promising. And so if you are a person that believes in the vision of the future that... Nix had laid out like how would you take a position on Nix? I mean, I guess you can install the software, but uh yeah. other than that, like what are some of the other things? I mean, we mentioned, hey, start a startup in which <laughs> you do a Heroku for Nix package management. I mean, hey, listeners, we got great ideas here, so all you yeah. have to do is just one of them. $1 billion dollars. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. we're not doing it, but yeah, go go for
1: it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Uh, Yeah. The best Uh, ideas are the ones that you wish other people were doing. So, (laughs) I mean, we, we've got our own ideas we're working on. So we're giving away all our other other good ideas. No, we're, we're just gooding. we're giving away the best
0: ideas really. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Cause the ones that you don't want to do
1: are the ones that you should actually be working on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, we don't talk a lot about the nitty gritty career careerism aspect of software engineering on this podcast all too often. But I think oh, there. What do you mean by that? Like, just you know, there. I think a lot of uh, uh, other uh, other material talks about you know how to show impact, how to get a promotion. Oh oh oh! You know, I see. As, you know, as a yeah 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 yeah. Right. Uh, but I would say that here. Um there are probably a few nice promotion opportunities in somebody who is able to like like I mentioned before I won't belabor it but like able to connect the benefits of Nix to your company's pain points because I guarantee that every company whatever company you're working in as long as like it's you know more than 50 people let's say Is running into, you know, divergence between dev and prod, or divergence between the uh, continuous integration build system and prod, or whatever. There may be uh, more specific ones, right? But every company is running into some problem, which I think Nix could solve. And there's now, I think, promise in that. Uh, big companies like Shopify are taking a bet on it. It's not the biggest risk now, uh, and so if you're looking for a nice promo and also to help help your 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 company out, you could, you know, I don't know, make a case, right? Like make the business case to your you know director of engineering or CTO or whatever. Hey, let's try Nix in this for this one targeted problem, and don't sell it as I I, I heard about this cool, you know, theoretical uh, package manager that we should use because that will definitely not fly. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you can really make that connection, um, and, and point out the traction that it's already getting, I think you can like definitely make an impact and also, uh, you know, make a name for yourself within your company as like a, a person who's solved a, a big problem.
0: And tell your CTO that you heard it on the Techdium and that he or she should listen also. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good point. Like, yeah, definitely we don't talk a lot about the career aspect, but if you're able to make a case to connect the business concerns of a company to what software can do and provide, I, I think that goes a long way because definitely... a too many engineers focus on what's cool, and I, I get why we're like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's basically our our nose for things, but that's that's not that's not what people use software for. People use software to solve their problems. If they got problems that software can solve, then they're gonna sit up and pay attention. And but it's up to you to connect the dots for them because they don't know the other side of things, right? So yeah, so yeah. yeah. So uh, I would say that that's probably a good one. Um, I don't know. What would I say? I mean, Nix is an org. It's not. It's not a company, so you can't like buy stock in it or anything like that. But oh, I have a, uh, I have another one. Uh, oh, do you? you go for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, I I was just spitballing. But if you got another one, go for it.
1: Oh yeah, and well, so <laughs> I think uh, I, another. Maybe slightly more. No, it's 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 a, it's not it's positive some. Uh, if you're if you're if you're in the uh, JavaScript world, uh, I recommend taking a page out of the React playbook and just taking all of the great ideas from Nick, Nick's and JavaScriptifying <laughs> them and selling that <laughs> because JavaScript people love functional programming concepts in like, you know in react them, yeah yeah yeah, they, yeah you just don't tell them right don't tell them where you got it like present it as the present it for its benefits like we mentioned before but also making making it so that um it's compatible with all the tooling right so so i i imagine so there's a, a- uh,
0: not not another NPM, not in the Yarm, but, like, another package manager based on Nix ideas, right? That uses yeah. Nix packages for JavaScript.
1: Yeah, and I imagine there's a lot of tie-in. You know, here's the interesting thing about JavaScript, which which this is a slight tangent. JavaScript has, has, has reinvented, like, things like linkers, like, in the form of, like, build pack. They've reinvented, oh, yeah. uh, like, basically compiler passes in the form of Babel, right? Like there's a whole yeah, compiler yeah. ecosystem. There's I all mean, this tooling. React itself is a is a runtime. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. It's, it's not
0: it's a runtime. It's got a scheduler inside of it. It's not reactive at all. It's got a scheduler. It's a whole runtime on the front end.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So 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 the JavaScript ecosystem, you know, you think about it and it's like, oh it's just JavaScript, whatever, right? This simple, like silly toy language. I, people aren't less dismissive of JavaScript today, but like, really? but you know, the ecosystem actually has a lot of tools and libraries and things that it's pulling in, which, um, you know, if you were to take Nix, the Nix concepts and build good integrations, maybe with Webpack, with uh, NPM, with uh, Babel, I don't know, whatever the whole ecosystem that people use. Um, I think it could... Become... Or,
0: or even just obviate it. Like, initially you integrate it, but the whole point is to get rid of that complexity because, I mean, granted, there's so many web pages about how much it takes to get started as a JavaScript developer nowadays. And so if you can get rid of some parts of that stack by building whatever this thing is, then, yeah, more power to you. But mm-hmm. maybe then this is the curse of the 16th standard, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There lies dragon, so beware.
1: Yeah. I mean and every week uh, somebody has a new uh, build pack uh web pack uh killer. Uh, or yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I know this
0: we've could, tried but, to stay positive, but like there are certain <laughs> certain pet peeves of mine. One is NetSuite and two is web pack, so there
1: you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but but I think this is this is this could be a fun exercise. And and I think, you know, uh there are almost two two camps or tiers of the JavaScript community. One are the working day-to-day folk who, you know, couldn't care less about all this. But I do think that there are people uh, like the React team and a few others, future-thinking people who are actively cross-pollinating ideas from functional programming, especially from, you know, Clojure and and, uh, these folks as well. Uh, I think there's something here. And I think if you are to, you know, going back to the the thing, how can you take a position if you're in this ecosystem and you're open to functional ideas? Um, I don't know, just, just steal Nix and just make it in yes. JavaScript.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole thesis outlining a lot of things. So just go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think with that, that's our episode. That's the... Uh, uh, second episode of the season. So, I mean, like, if you s- uh, wait, wait for it. <laughs> so, So with that, our optimism and enthusiasm is out of this world. Like, How are you feeling about uh, Nix? Because when I say that, I I think this really has potential. And so long-term, long-time listeners will know that I am a fan of functional programming. So I I think it has a lot of potential to change the way our computing environments are. How about yours?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been bit by all of these problems that we discussed so many times uh, that I just want it to be over, right? And I think the the solution is <laughs> maybe just right in front of our eyes, <laughs> so, right? Yeah.
0: Before you before you uh, kill your career
1: and go start a farm or something like that, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Nix, please save me, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, with that, our optimism and enthusiasm enthusiasm is out of this world so if this episode opened your eyes check out our other episodes where we talk about other edges of technology why they're interesting and what future they point to check them out and subscribe and also be able to be sure to check out our audio versions on apple Podcasts and spotify and write us a review to help bring other technistas on board and with that this is will and this is Shree. And we're signing off and we'll see you next time uh, on the Technium. And so as a short side note, uh, we're releasing our episode this season at a two-week cadence. So we'll see you bi-weekly. Stay tuned, stay subscribed, and we'll see you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye.